Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. I tell your neighbor, you look good. Amen? You look good. You look good today. Got all cleaned up, smell good. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I opted out of my suit today and went for jeans and a button-down, and... Uh, I'm not backsliding, I just felt like wearing jeans and a button-down today. <laughs> and when I'm wearing a suit, it doesn't always mean I'm preaching a funeral. It just, I just, just depends on what I want to wear that day, amen? amen. Tell your neighbor, you be you. You be you. You, be you. you come, in, come in your shorts and your, your nice shirt, that's fine. You come in your, your three-piece suit and we'll, just, we'll have a time, amen? You be you. It's important for us to remember that. I, I want to, uh, we're going to Ezekiel chapter 47 this morning. And um, this word that's on my heart, I, I love, I love this passage. Um, I think I say that about every passage, but when it's the word of God, how can you not love it? You know, it's kind of one of those things. It's hard to not love it. But I love, love this passage, and the Lord just, um, the Lord just gave me a really awesome revelation on the, where are you going? You leaving us? <laughs> Said Ezekiel chapter 47, and you got up and you left? Listen, come back, all right? Come back. No, she's taking care of some stuff for us. Um, no, but I, uh, I, I, love, I love this passage, and I love the revelation that God gave me on this. I'm, I'm preaching a message this morning called "A Journey, um, The Journey of Faith. And when you look at, if you're taking notes through the app this morning, it says The Journey of Faith 2. And the only reason it says 2 is because I had to reload that for you to be able to take notes this morning. And so it put a two, and I didn't know it until after, until somebody had said it to me. So there's not two parts to this message. There's one part. This is the journey of faith, part one. And uh, maybe that's a sign that there's a part two. I don't know. The Lord hasn't, <laughs> the Lord hasn't shown that to me yet. But I, I, I got to reading this um, years and years and years ago um, when I had first started preaching. The Lord had given me a revelation on this message of the river. And this is the part where the Lord uh, gives a vision uh, to the prophet of him going out, being led out from the temple. We're going to read it here in just a moment. And he leads him into the river and he measures it off. And uh, the Lord showed me um, through that that there are levels, there are seasons, there are levels uh, to our journey and our walk with him. The, the first time that I preached this message, God gave me the revelation that uh, the ankle deep, the knee deep, the waist deep, and then a river that you could not cross were, were the stages of our relationship with God. That moment we first encounter the love of God and like a cool rushing water just washes over our soul and that refreshing begins to hit and then uh, a little bit further as we walk with him we experience the that baptism that water baptism that changes our life and then we uh, encounter that spirit baptism that takes us even further and that walk and that journey that God has with us and then we get to this place of experiencing this moment with Jesus where we realize that our life really is built around him and that he truly is the center of it all. And suddenly we find ourselves in such a place with the Lord that we're no longer in control. Tell your neighbor, you got to lose control. You got to lose control. Um, and when it, comes to the, when it comes to the journey of faith, we all know Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I've been preaching a lot about the promise this year. Some of you are like, oh, if we hear about the promise one more time. Uh, but the promise is important because not only is there the ultimate promise that God's given us, but there are promises that God gives us. Things that God speaks to our life, dreams that God gives us, visions that God gives us, things that God reveals to us, things that He's told us that He's going to do in our lives. And oftentimes, when we get those revelations from the Lord, when we don't see the result of that, we don't see the fruit of that, we become frustrated. When we don't see the evidence or the result of that, we become disappointed, we become disheartened, we become discouraged, we become uh, overwhelmed with... Um, uh, with a sense of despair because we responded in obedience to what we feel that God had called us to do or God had led us to do, but we haven't seen the fruit, we haven't seen the result, we haven't seen the evidence of that. And, uh, you know, a good example of that, I preached last year on why we give the 10, given the why behind the what. It's one thing for, 
you to go to church and there to always to be an offering on Sunday and you to give and see people giving and feel the pressure because someone else is giving that you feel that you have to give. And I wanted to eliminate all of that and put the understanding of why we give 10% of our tithe, why we give the tithe, why we give in offerings and break that down. And if you are curious about more of that, if you download the CFA app, you can go into media to our sermons, and it's actually the first sermon that was loaded, so just scroll all the way to the bottom, and it'll be the very, the very last one, and it's why we give the 10, and I break that down. But the reason for all of that was because so many times when we step out in faith and we trust God, we become disappointed because we don't see necessarily immediate results. We respond in faith, but we don't see immediate results. And when we don't see immediate results, we begin to question whether or not we actually heard from God. We begin to question whether or not we've actually received from the Lord. And what happens is, is we begin to second guess and we begin to doubt what it is that God's called us to do and the promise that He's given us. But when we respond by faith, what happens is exactly what Austin was, was talking about this morning in that, in that bridge that he led us in. We stand firm on the foundation of love and we're not shaken because we know God doesn't go back on His Word. And there are times and there are moments in that process. Tell your neighbor, there's a process. Tell them again, there's a process. As much as you don't want the process, there's a process. Amen? You build a house, there's a process. You can dream about how it's going to look and how it's going to be, but you got to go through the process of getting it done. You're going to buy a house and you're going to save up. You can dream about what that house is going to look like, but you got to spend weeks and months and sometimes years saving up and putting back and waiting and preparing and overcoming every obstacle. When it comes to doing certain things in life, there's a process. And the problem is, is that so many times in our life, especially in our society today, we forego the process and cause ourselves more trouble and heartache in the long run because we weren't willing to wait. We get caught up in the excitement and the emotion and the anticipation of it all that we get angry and we get frustrated and we get disappointed and we get upset and so we just decide, well, I'll just go ahead and do it. I'll just go ahead and and take control. And then we wonder six months down the road why we're in the mess that we're in. And all the while Jesus is saying, if you'll just wait, if you'll just listen, if you'll just be patient, if you'll just trust me, tell your neighbor you got to trust. If you'll just trust me, I've got it all figured out. But when we can't see how God's going to do it, and when we can't connect the dots for ourselves, that's when we begin worrying. That's when we begin uh, letting the frustration get the best of us, and we begin responding before we've ever had the chance, we've ever had the opportunity to really lean into what it is that God's saying. And so when it comes to this message this morning, and I'm talking about faith, faith is a journey. Faith is a journey. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea, and it'll, and it'll be moved. As small as, do you know how small a mustard seed is? If you don't, Google it. I know I preach against Google all the time, but you can Google a mustard seed and look that up. It's small. If you'll just have that much faith. I mean, what would happen if everyone in the church in the United States today had that much faith? What would happen if everyone in this room, if all of us, would just, if we would just live with just that much faith? That much faith, what would it do? What would it do? What would it do to this city? What would it do to our lives? What, what would happen? And, and the deal is, is the journey of faith, there's a process even in that, of, of living by faith, of truly living by faith. And so the Lord gave me this revelation through Ezekiel chapter 47. So I'm going to read it this morning, and I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you about it and see. All right, so this is what, this is what it says um, in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse number 1. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming out, coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Then he, brought, he then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward, 
with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi and Igliam, and there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea, but the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts in this place this morning. God, let us have truly a revelation from you. Lord, let us walk by faith and not by sight. Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us exactly what we need from you today. Let there be freedom in this house for your Holy Spirit to move and minister in this place. Even now through your word, God, let healings begin to manifest in this house and in the lives of those watching. God, let there be healings from diabetes, healings from cancer, healings from incurable diseases. God, let there be a manifestation of healing, God, from depression and a healing, God, from, uh, from sickness, God, that has long tormented the lives of your believers. Let freedom reign in this place from condemnation and guilt and shame. Let those chains fall off that, Lord, we could walk in the abundance and the freedom of what you've established for our lives. God, freedom from addictions. God, freedom from distractions, that our eyes can be fixed on you. Lord, minister in this house as you see fit. As we prayed this morning, let your kingdom come and your will be done. We give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, when we, uh, when we talk about the journey of faith, and, and the Lord started speaking to me about this revelation, I couldn't help but think about some of the journeys uh, that I've made. How many of you love road trips? Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. How many of you hate road trips? How many of you have never seen a road before in your life? How many of you aren't here? All right, so we've got a large group of people that are in the room, but they're not present, all right? Don't wake them. They're sleeping. No, um, we, we, when, we talk about, when we talk about journey, I immediately think about some of the road trips that I've had um, in my life, and there's been some interesting ones. Um, there's been some of many youth trips that we went on. I'll never forget, uh, not long after Pastor Greg and Megan, our former pastors here at CFA, were the youth pastors in Jonesboro while I was in youth. They uh, led us on a trip to Orlando, Florida, for National Fine Arts. And uh, the van that we took was a Ford, kind of like one of the ones that's out there now. But in this Ford, this particular model, there were no air conditioning vents in the back seat of the van. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but the air conditioner for that van is in the front, and the air conditioning vents didn't reach the back. And it was like, you know, I don't know, 95 degrees outside. And so we took off on this journey to National Fine Arts Festival, except the only two guys that were on the team that got an invitation were me and my best friend Cody. And we were put in the back seat of the van with no air conditioning. No gentleman is going to be rude enough to look at a young lady and say, hey, you get in the back, I'm going to ride in the AC. So we spent 14 and a half, 15 hours in the back of this Ford Econoline sweating to death. I am convinced that the gates of hell are located in the back of a E350 Ford Econoline van. That is where you know that the enemy is closing in. It is so hot. Every time we stopped, I asked for ice cream sandwiches and a Diet Coke or a bottle of water because it was terrible. But I don't think any of those trips beat the time that our family was headed on a trip to the beach for vacation. It's been years ago, still living in Jonesboro at the time. I was bringing one of my best friends. Haley was bringing one of her best friends. Our family from Ohio was driving down to meet us. 
And so my sister, the wonderful, blessed saint that she is, had a beautiful idea that we were going to drive through the night to get to our destination. How many of you like to drive through the night? Yeah, no traffic, right? Lies. There's traffic, there's, there's, there's sleep deprivation, there's torment and torture. It's a horrible, horrible idea. It's terrible. It's, it's the worst decision ever. So we take off on this night journey. Well, if you know anything about me, I, I need sleep. Six hours. I don't need much. I just need six hours of sleep. If I don't get six hours of sleep, I'm just a little, I think the word is cranky. Any cranky people in the house when you don't have sleep? Man, more people just suddenly came alive. They're like, yeah, I'm cranky right now. You're talking about me not being here, and I'm, I'm here. I told you I'm here. I just didn't get any sleep last night, but I'm here. Uh, you know, I, I have to have just a little bit. And so I don't do well with all-night trips. I can get there late. I can get up at 4 in the morning and leave. But give me that six-hour window to get some rest. Otherwise, things are going to be tense. So Haley, and Haley goes to mom and says, I have this idea. I think we should leave tonight so that way we can get there in the morning and we'll already be at the beach. Well, our family has a rule that vacation doesn't start until you arrive at your destination. So we are, we are determined that when we get on the road, we've got a plan. This is where we're stopping. This is where we're going. We're not just going to just mosey along on our way down. We're not going to turn a 15-hour trip into a 30-hour trip. We're going to go, all right? It's, the vacation starts when we get there, so let's go. So we take off on this road adventure so we can be at the beach in the morning. Well, if you know anything about renting a house or a condo or any place at the beach for a week, you can't, you can't check in until the afternoon unless you have special privileges. So we got up and we drove to the beach at night, Friday night, after everyone had worked, full weeks of work, and we take off driving. And it was the worst trip I think I've ever been on in my entire life. It was me and Haley, my friend and her friend in the car. And I think that there were about two or three times that we all just wanted to kill each other and tell God that they had died. We were just done. We had reached our limit. We had come to the point of no return. And I'll ne- as, as we were on that trip, my frustration just continued to grow because when we got to the beach, we couldn't get in the house. It was about 98 degrees, the humidity through the roof, nobody had slept, and my family says, well, let's just go to the beach and swim until it's open. It's hot. (laughs) Now you're fixing to drown. That's right. I was fixing to find a couple of them, and let's go out in the water. I thought, you've got to be kidding. We've driven all night long. All I need is a hot shower and a cup of coffee, but we're going to go in the 100-degree weather and sit out on the sand and wait for the house to get open. I was so mad. There wasn't an air conditioner in the world that could keep up with the heat that day. I was so frustrated. I was just ticked off. I thought, you have got to be kidding me. Since then, we don't take trips overnight. To go to the beach, all right? We leave early in the morning, early in the morning, but we don't do overnight trips. And I got to thinking about that journey, and I got to thinking about that process, and I thought, you know, when it comes to life, we want to be there. I wanted, I wanted to be at the beach worse than anybody else that was in that car. I wanted to be there. But I didn't want to go through what I had to go through to get there. I had to pray through for salvation on that trip. Y'all, I'm not lying. I had to pray. Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. You know, and I got to thinking, isn't that so much true of our life? Like, we know what we're believing God for, what we're praying and asking God for. And, we're, we're, boy, we get excited. We're loading that car up. We're like, man, this is going to be a good trip. This is going to, this 15 hours is going to be wonderful. I've got my coffee and I've got my water. I've got my snacks. We've got everything loaded, everything fit. We are set. We're ready to go. And then you get in the trip a little ways. And you start to get tired, and you start to realize that, that some people have terrible taste in music, and then you realize that, you know, there, there's, uh, there's difficulties, there's road constructions, there's detours, there's unexpected events and activities that happen, there's, there, there's people that, uh, that, that are just doing everything they can to pick at your nerve, and, and I won't mention names. And, and so, you know, you have, you have all of those moments. And I thought, man, isn't that so much of life? 
we know what it is that God has for us. We know what the promise is. We know what the, the destination is. We know the place that God's taking us. But we don't know what's between here and there. And we look at it from, from standing here and seeing the promise there. And we're like, man, that's awesome. I, I equate it to being in the presence of God like we were last Sunday and having that awesome encounter with Jesus. And you're, you're so fired up and so excited and so, so filled with joy and anticipation. And then Monday morning rolls around and the water pistol that you thought you were going to defeat hell with isn't big enough for the battle that you're facing. And you think, oh, where did this come from? And suddenly you find yourself in that place of frustration because you've started the journey that God's called you to. You've started the process of what God's established you to. But there are things that are happening that are completely unexpected, that are completely unplanned, that have come out of nowhere, that are challenging that are challenging you from that place of faith and of determination, of excitement and of passion, trying to rob from you what God wants to do through you in that journey and in that process. My bad attitude to some of those responses cost me having some good times. Mm. Mm. I'm talking about me, I ain't talking about you, so okay. <laughs> talking about me, I ain't talking about you. My bad attitude cost me some things. My, my immaturity in response to some of those situations cost me some time with the people that I love. I'm so worried about the destination that I'm not taking the time to enjoy the journey. I'm so, I'm so frustrated that I hadn't got there yet. I'm so mad that I don't have what it is that I want that I know I'm going to get, that I'm so worried about myself that I'm not taking the time to consider anybody else around me. I'm not taking time to take advantage of the unexpected opportunities and what God may be trying to show me or how God may be trying to bless me. I'm just ticked off that I'm not there. And so as a result of it, I'm robbing myself, making myself more miserable, and get this, everyone else around me more miserable, because I'm mad that I'm not where I want to be. Boy, if that don't sound like the church today. I thought I would be here by now. I thought I would have reached this place by now. I thought I would have arrived at this destination by now. I thought we would have been at the place that we should have already been at today. But the truth is, is that when we come to a place of saying yes to Jesus and trusting Him, there's some parts along that path, there's some parts along that journey that if we're not willing to let go of control and just trust Him, if we're not willing to look around at the chaos and the confusion and the mess that's happening and realize that in the middle of it, the King of kings and Lord of lords is still on the throne, that He hasn't forgotten about where we are, that He knew every detour that would be in front of us, that He knew every every stop that we would face, every flat tire, every unexpected mechanical breakdown, every single one of those moments that he knew about all of that and still had revealed to you the plan and the promise that he had for your life. Too many times we look at the promise, we look at the plan, we look at the destination and we become so fixated on it that we can't look right now at what God is doing and how he's moving and how he's shaping and how he's molding us through the pain and through the the unexpected and through the difficulty and through the through the trials and through the inversions because here's the deal friends if God said he would do it then he'll do it if he gave you the promise, he knew everything that would come against you. He knew every attack that you would face. He knew every unexpected difficulty that would come your way. And all he's wanting to remind you and I of this morning is that the journey that you're on is worth it. Because what I have waiting for you in the end cannot even begin to compare to the unexpected that you're facing today. But the problem is, is the first time it doesn't go the way we think it ought to go, the first time that we feel that God's forgotten us or that God's forsaken us or that God's gone back on His Word or that we feel we're never going to get there, we feel that we're never going to arrive, it's all in that process that God is reminding us, I didn't tell you what I told you. I didn't speak what I spoke to you without knowing what you would face. Hmm. God gives us the dream, God gives us the promise, and we just want to live in the dream and the promise. We don't want to go through the process. But the process is necessary for the promise. 
And if we're not willing to walk out the journey of faith that God has established for our life, when it's time to face the unexpecteds and it's time to face the battles that are standing in between the promise, instead of responding in faith, we'll respond in fear and we'll walk away. I'm convinced that too many times we've walked away because fear and frustration and disappointment has overtaken our lives and has robbed us of the promise. But the truth is, is God has a journey for us. God has a journey for us. God has a journey of faith for our lives that He wants to reveal to us. One of the things that I love about this passage of Scripture is that uh, as, as He was led out into the water... It says that he measured off a thousand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me into water that was ankle deep. And I got to thinking about the I got to thinking about the river. I got to thinking about the significance of all of those things. One, it says that the river flowed from the temple. And if you look in Revelation chapter 22, um, there's a powerful, there's a powerful reminder, significance um, that God gives that that correlates with Ezekiel chapter 47. Did I give you that scripture, Brother Randy? Would you put it up there for me? Revelation uh, chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's uh, that, other, that other one. Yeah, I messed you up. I'm sorry. Give it up for our media team, would you? Oh, you can do better than that. Give it up for our media team. You know, the only time you look back there is when something doesn't work right. <laughs> Revelation chapter 22, verse number one. I know, I did it for years. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. When you look at, when you look at the Word of God and the representation of the river, the river is a, represent, a representation of life. What, what the angel was leading him into was the river. It was the river of life, the river that brought life into, into, uh, into Ezekiel's life. And what was happening is God was leading him on a journey. The same is true for us as believers. When we say yes to Jesus, God begins to lead us into this river of life. What was once desolate, once what was... What was once barren, what was once lacking, what this giant void that we once had, this emptiness, this frustration, this aggravation, this longing that we need fulfilled in our lives is suddenly met when we encounter the river of life. It's that moment that we encounter Jesus and we begin to feel that refreshing water wash over our souls. And so you look at the, the importance of the river and the significance of the river and it begins to illustrate some powerful things because the river of life produces life. And when you realize the importance of what the river is and, and, and the effect of that, God talks about the, that river at a couple of points throughout the Word. And the thing that I love about it is it illustrates a journey for us as believers that God wants to take us on. God will, God will always lead you. He will never force you. God will always lead you. He will never force you. And what I'm convinced of is that there are many of us that are standing on the banks of the river of life that are being led to take another step, that are being led to go a little deeper. And the enemy is challenging us on the fact of what it is that we're stepping into. And he's challenging us on the fact that we haven't seen the fruit yet. But the truth is, is until we get our feet wet, until we step in, Austin preached about that a couple weeks ago, until we get our feet wet, until we're willing to take the step of faith that God establishes for our life, we'll never see the promise. We want to take a step of faith and we have an assurance that God's going to be there to do exactly what He said. When it's there, I'll step out. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of... Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The we want faith to be the evidence of things seen, and then we'll hope for it. If I see it, then I'll hope for it. But I ain't hoping for nothing until I see it. And a lot of times that comes as a result of many times that God has led us down the journey of faith, and we've been disappointed because we haven't seen God act. 
We haven't seen God move the way that we thought he was going to do it. And so we became frustrated, we became hurt, we became overwhelmed, and so we backed out of the river. Tell your neighbor, you got to go deeper. <laughs> you got to go deeper. We want, the, we want the promise, we want the fruit, we want the evidence, we want the blessings of God, but we don't want to have to... We don't want to have to go through the process. We want everything that the river of life has, but we don't want to get wet. I want the refreshing waters of the river of life, but don't, I don't want to get in the river. Jesus. Tell your neighbor, don't get quiet now. <laughs> the journey of faith. Three things I want to share with you before I let you go home today. Number one is this. The journey of faith is an invitation to abundant life. John 10, 10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. The journey of faith is an invitation to abundant life. When it comes to faith, there are levels that God will take us through to prepare us for what he has in our lives. So many times we want to jump off like a cannonball into the middle of everything that God's doing. But the problem is, is we're not ready for what God is leading us to do. And then we spend the rest of our time fighting God on it, trying to get back to the bank. We get so excited the second that our ankles hit that refreshing water of heaven that we just want to run off and jump in a cannonball. And the deal is, is God wants to lead you through a process. Because when God gets you to the point in your faith journey with Him that you are at the place, at the depth that He's called you to, it will unleash the glory and the presence of God in your life and through your life that will change the world around you. In order for us to take that step, in order for us to make that move, we have to realize that the journey of faith is an invitation to abundant life. The, the, the song that we sang this morning, I will not be shaken. Why? Because my feet are planted on a firm foundation of the love of God. I am set in what Jesus has said. When we come to that realization, it's just like that first thousand cubits that was let off and he found himself ankle deep in the water. Because what happened was we, we began, what happens is we begin to accept the realization that God is calling us to live by faith and not by sight. Mm, Jesus. Mm. He calls us to go deeper with Him. Jesus, listen. Jesus wants us, Jesus wants us to go deeper in our relationship with Him so that we can experience more. And to experience more in that, in that relationship with Him requires some sacrifices. You got to be willing to let go of the safety and security of the bank to go deeper with God. The problem is, is we want the safety and the security of the bank and the river of life. And the truth is, is that as God takes us deeper, ankle deep, I've still got pretty, pretty good control. First time that river starts doing something I don't like, I can just jump right out. No problem. You know, I, some of you are that way when you go to the beach. It's like, well, this water's really nice. Well, why don't you go out a little deeper? I don't think so. I can't see what's out there. <laughs> there might be a shark. Well, that's all right. Don't bother him. He won't bother you. Some of y'all are like, I got statistics right here. Google, I'm pulling it up. I'm sending this to you today, Pastor. You're going to read about it. I don't know what's there. I ain't going any further. And a lot of times, that's what happens in our journey. That's what happens in our life of the Lord. Because we don't know where He's going to take us in that journey. And what it calls us to sacrifice, what it calls us to do, will oftentimes not make sense in the moment. So He calls us a little bit deeper. He calls us to go a little bit further. When we go a little bit further, we find ourselves still in control, but starting to lose a little bit more of that control. And then He calls us a little bit deeper. And then he calls us to a place where we're no longer in control, but it's him. If you want to see what that looks like, just go, go back to Acts chapter 2 and read Acts chapter 3 and then just continue to read about what God did with the church. And all of the enemy's attempts to destroy the church, it's still alive today. And all of the enemy's attempts to destroy the church, it's still alive today. Why? Because it's God's. And every attempt that the enemy makes to destroy it, the enemy fails. Every attempt the enemy makes to kill it, the enemy fails. Why? Because God continues to fulfill his plan and his promise. 
And right smack dab in the middle of that is you. Tell your neighbor, you're right in the middle. The journey of faith is an invitation to abundant life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. When we step into the realization and the river of life, the river of faith that God has for us, what happens is we, we flip the script on the enemy because suddenly what he was able to use to discourage us, what he was able to use to defeat us, what he was able to use to get us to run back to the shore instead of walking in the, in the life giving power of what God established for us is we flip the script on him and we began to rejoice in the trial. We begin to worship in the middle of the storm. We begin to thank God for the place that we're in. We begin to thank God for the detour and the unexpected trips and the flat tires and the, and the mechanical breakdowns. And we begin to recognize and realize that when I'm in the will of the Father, when I'm following His lead, when He's in control of my life, then every detour, every misstep, every impossibility, every difficulty is just another piece of the puzzle of the masterpiece that He is painting and shaping and molding my life for. It's like what I talked about on Wednesday when a God brushes a stroke, when you see a painter that brushes, brushes a stroke or they start the painting process, so much of that just looks like a jumbled mess. <laughs> but when it's done, every stroke, every piece has a purpose and a part. And the same is true with our life and the journey that God has us on. Secondly, in the journey of faith, the journey of faith requires surrender and trust produce only through relationship. The journey of faith requires surrender and trust produced only through relationship. I had no idea you were going to sing that bridge this morning, but I love every bit of it. And the trust that God's established for our life. If you don't trust Him, you won't follow Him. If I don't trust Him, I won't follow Him. And the problem is that so many times we struggle with trusting God because He either A, doesn't do it when we think He should, or B, doesn't do it the way we thought He should. And when He doesn't, we begin to pull away from Him instead of pressing further into Him. When it doesn't make sense, don't try to figure it out on your own. Get alone in the throne room and begin to worship and begin to pray. And begin to seek his face. Why? Because there's something in that that he's wanting to show you. There's something in that that he's wanting to show me. There's something through that that God's going to do. And the enemy's attempts to steal, kill, and destroy that God will turn around and use for abundant life. That God will turn and begin to unleash his presence. Begin to unleash his power. The journey of faith requires surrender and trust. I said it just a minute ago. God will never force you. He'll only lead you. God never forces us to go. He just gives us an invitation to come. That, that's, that's the beautiful thing about a relationship with Christ. It's not forced. It's an invitation. He led him out. He didn't have to go. And the same is true with God. God will lead us out, but he's not going to make us follow and it's one of those moments where we come to the realization that Jesus is in this for us. Tell your neighbor, he's in it for you. <laughs> we won't follow who we don't trust. So my question is this morning to all of us, do we trust him? Do we believe that he's on the throne? Do we believe that he's in control? Do we believe that he has a plan? Do we believe that He's fulfilling His promises, that He's fulfilling His purposes, that His kingdom is coming and that His will is being done? If we believe all of that and we can trust in Him, then when He, when he calls us to go a little bit deeper, the challenge won't be so great to take a few more steps. But if we don't trust Him, it's amazing the difference you have between somebody you trust and somebody you don't. Well, how do you learn to trust someone? You get to know them. You get to know them. The longer I know you, the more I'll trust you. Amen? I think one of the biggest reasons that we don't trust God is because we don't know Him like we should. But when we take the time to get to know Him, there's an assurance that we have. There are people in this room that if they walked up to me and said, Pastor, I need to borrow your truck, that I would hand them my key in a heartbeat. There are some in this room that if they walked up to me and said, Pastor, can I borrow your truck? I'd say, what do you need help with? 
I'm going to have 20 people at the end of service today ask me to borrow my truck. I already know it. So go take my truck and park it at my house. No. Well, why, would you act? why wouldn't you just give it? To, why wouldn't you just trust everyone? Well, I don't, some of you, I don't know what your driving record is. For all I know, you have to buy a new car every month. You're going to take my truck out? I don't know. I don't know you. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe you need me to help you. I'll drive. You tell me where to go. And you know what? That's exactly what we do with Jesus. Uh, I'm not sure. I, well, um, I'll drive. You ride in the front seat. Not in the back. Get in the front seat. I want to be able to see you. You tell me where to go, but I'm going to drive. And all the while, Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, trust me. We don't trust who we don't know. But when we know that person and they ask, there's no second guess. There's no second thought about it. If a random person comes up to me and asks to borrow my truck, I'm going to tell them, listen, I don't know you. Well, Connor, that's just, that's, that's hateful. Well, Jesus said it in the Bible, too. So when you get to the gates of heaven away from me, I never knew you. <laughs> just saying. He said it there. Some of you are like, wow, that's mean. Well, it's true. That's what he said. And it's funny. And you can laugh. Because it's church. <laughs> Tough crowd, tough crowd. <laughs> Journey of faith requires surrender and trust produced only through relationship. You won't trust Him and you won't surrender to Him until you know Him. Until we know Him, we won't trust Him and we won't follow after Him. And here's the deal. It's not that we don't know Him. It's that we don't know Him to the depths that we can know Him. Jesus removed every barrier and obstacle for us to getting to know Him. The only thing that we have to be willing to do is take the time. Just turn Netflix off a little sooner. Cut, cut the news off a little earlier. And spend an extra 15 minutes just praying and reading the Word. Take just a few minutes longer. It's amazing the relationships that you can build with just taking a little bit of time. It's amazing the difference that that takes and what happens that positions us. Because the journey of faith requires surrender and trust. If we're going to live by faith and not by sight, if we're going to follow Him into the, into the depths of what He's calling us to, we have to be willing to let go of what we've always known to trust Him. I've got to be willing to let go of what I can hold on to and what I can control. Because when you get in the river that He has for us, and we go deeper and we go deeper, and we go deeper, we experience the more and more and more that He has to give. Because what happens, the deeper we go with the Lord in the journey of faith is number three. The journey of faith ultimately produces life through us. Huh. Produces life through us. Wherever the river flows, there's life, wherever it goes. God gives him this, God gives him this illustration, shows him the, the sea full of salt suddenly being filled with fresh water and animals living there and life flowing there. But in, in verse number 9, it says, so where the river flows, everything will live. I was reading that. I was reading over this passage and, and was in awe of what God said. And the thing that I, the thing that I love about it and the revelation that the Lord gave me uh, was what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse number 38. <laughs> he's, he's talking to the people and, and he says this, Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of, water, rivers of living water will flow from within them. When we get into the river of life that God has for us, in, when we step into the river of His love, and we begin living by faith, we start out on this faith journey that God is taking us to, what happens is, is that river begins to flow through us. And suddenly what happens is you and I begin carrying that river of life into the places that were once dead. 
Sometimes we wonder why God has us in the job that he has us in, or he has us in the family that he has us in, or he has us in the city that he has us in, or he has us in the place or season of life that he has us in. And oftentimes we make it so much about ourselves, as I did on my car ride to the beach in Dolphin Island that year, so much about me that I didn't take the time to realize the people that were around me. And the truth is, is sometimes you're in the place that you're in because you're the only avenue for the river of life to flow. How can people experience life if there's no invitation or opportunity for them to experience it? And what God wants to do is not only give you and I an invitation into life and experiencing it with Him and living by faith, but He wants us to become the avenue by which they have an opportunity to step into the same river we're walking in. Or hopefully one day, flowing in. Because here's the deal, church. God didn't call us to just sit on the bank and watch the river go by. He didn't call us to just sit on the bank and watch the river go by. And I think for a long time, the, the, the church, in some ways, has been standing on the bank. We know what the river has. And we know what the river can do. But we haven't come to the point of surrendering enough to just get in and go with God's flow. I don't want to settle for just sitting on the bank. I want to know what the river of life has to offer. Amen? I want to know what the river of life has to give. When we step into the journey of faith that God has for us, not only will it produce life in us, but it will produce life through us. <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where the church is being reminded that their bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the temple of God that the river's flowing out of, that God leads Ezekiel into, the river that represents life. And then you have these correlations throughout the Word of God where Jesus speaks and He says, anyone who believes in Me, rivers of living water will flow through them. And then you have the Word that reminds us that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Or as Paul said, we have, these treasure, we have this treasure in jars of clay. You have the answer. You are the answer. Tell your neighbor, you're the answer. I don't know what this world needs. I do. You. This world needs the church. It needs you. You are the church. As beautiful as this building is, it is nothing. One day this building will be gone. One day this place will be no more. Jesus didn't come to invest himself in the physical structures of this world. He came for you. He came to establish the promise for you, for me, so that we could walk in that and grab every person by the hand and say, listen, you got to come get in this river. It's a crazy journey. It'll challenge you at times. It'll frustrate you at times. It'll break your heart at times. You'll face a lot of unexpecteds. But if through it all, if you'll trust Him and just go a little deeper. The enemy wants to throw whatever obstacle in our way that he can so that we'll run for sure. Because he knows if we get to the place in our journey of faith with God that we'll just go with the flow. The current of heaven is unstoppable. As long as you and I are at a place in our journey that our feet are on the ground, we can stop anytime we want. So why do you think the enemy challenges us the way that he does? Because he knows if he can get you to stop going with the flow, he knows if he can get you to just go back to the bank, then you're no longer a threat because the river of life you're in won't be flowing into the place that you're in and won't be changing the atmosphere and the lives of the people around you. If, if, if the place that you work is a living nightmare, 
just remember what you carry. Go with the flow. God, I'm not really sure exactly why you have me here, or maybe even who I'm here for, but I'm just going to show up every day carrying the joy and the peace and the love and the power and the freedom of God. Because water goes everywhere. It's amazing the places that water can find its way through. So if you'll be a conduit, if I'll be a conduit and just open ourselves up, what will God do through us? Because if we'll just go a little deeper, if we'll just get to the place that our feet can't touch, that we can't even swim across it to the other side, but rest in the fact that he's in control, what will he do in our lives? What will he, where will he take us? What will happen? It doesn't mean there won't be twists and turns and curves that were unexpected. But if we're in His current, what can stop us from seeing His plan and His promise come to pass? I love Hebrews chapter 11 because it reminds us of those who lived by faith, saw God answer some of the promises and the plans that He had for their life, but still had promises and plans that He had given them that they died never losing hope for. They were faithful to live by faith. And their obedience and their trust produced avenues for the plan of God to be fulfilled. My obedience today, your obedience today, opens the floodgates of heaven for what comes tomorrow. That's why I say all the time, the people that are in this room that have been here for decades that have poured their whole lives into this place. What they see today and what comes tomorrow is a result of their obedience and their faithfulness to what God called them to do then. It's why the elders that are in this room, the generations that have been before us, it's why we honor them. It's why we celebrate them. It's why we cheer them on because they have laid out for us a model of faithfulness and of trust in the Lord that has opened the door for us to be where we are today. And where there's no honor, there's no anointing. And when there's no anointing, I don't know what the point is in being here. If there's no anointing, service dismissed. Go home. I want to be where his presence is. And I want to go where he goes. And I want to flow where he flows. And I want to carry life with me everywhere I go. Amen. Stand with me all over this place.